Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river tonight In Texas Welcome to Texas, where I just forgot that we are sharing a mic today We are two boys, one mic We are two boys, one mic, two brothers, one audio recording We are super excited about today's episode. As always, this is Tex-ish, the show about some things Texas. And some things not. We have our first interview today with the wonderful Zeke, the head trainer here at Squatch Fitness. We're going to get to him in a little bit. But first, as always, our not sponsors. One of our not sponsors today, High Brew Coffee. Do you like coffee that's cold and in a very tall, skinny can? Like, not one of those shorty, fatty cans, but one of those tall, skinny cans. High Brew Coffee. For those people with small hands who want to look bigger or just like holding cylindrical objects. High Brew Coffee. You tired? Need a cylindrical can? High Brew Coffee. We're also not sponsored today by the Alamo. Do you remember it? I do. The Alamo. They're not our sponsor. And what happened today in Texas history, Seth? So today in Texas history, a couple things happened. One thing that I'm not going to talk about is the last reunion at Ben McCullough, which was a uh, Confederate Army reunion, which was something I'm just going to stay away from overall. I just want to say every state that was founded post-1800 really benefits from not having multiple days in the 1800s where really messed up stuff happened. There's just a lot of remnants of that, and occasionally things happen on those days in history. Not occasionally. Every single time we pull up this day in Texas history, it's like, (laughs) by the way, someone was hung. Oh, great. Oh, excellent. We usually skip those. Yes. So this is actually a really fun story. On this day in history, uh, Bedamillion Gates dies. Now, Bedamillion Gates was born John Warren Bedamillion, and he died in uh, 1855. Now, his claim to fame is basically inventing barbed wire. So what he did is at this giant state fair, uh, he rented out San Antonio's military plaza, and he made this, like, barbed wire corral to prove the efficacy of barbed wire and put all these cows in it, and everybody was like, oh, my God, wire with barbs on it, it keeps cows in. Crazy. They don't like going going through it. So uh, this giant order got put in. They couldn't fill the order at the factory. They made a decent amount of money, but he basically, like, got forced out by other people. And now the coolest part of this guy is his name is derived from a rumor that he bet a million dollars on a horse race in England and won two million. That's factually inaccurate. He actually bet more like 70,000 and won 600,000. But still, great nickname, really interesting story. You know, he's also the reason for the scar on my palm. There you go. So you can blame him for that. Good one. Today was also the birth of Texas blues pianist Robert Shaw. He was born on August 9th in 1908. Aww. Right? Kind of cool. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. All. He had a no, style. No yeah. hits. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Aggravation, <laughs> Papa. Don't you try me? Try to two time me. Ah, uh, don't yeah, you try yeah. to two time me. Exactly. Because you know it goes. Don't you try to two time me? Two time me. All, yeah. all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his career flourished in the 20s and the 30s, uh, and then he ran a grocery store in Austin. 
and began performing again in 1967, and finally gained international recognition before his death in 1985. Ah. Did he start Whole Foods? Is he that did, the grocery store that No, that's not to? the grocery store oh, I'm referring okay, to. Gotcha. No. I, just double checking. Hey, man, I, I'm with you. I feel you. So that's really it. That's the only thing. That is. Those are the only three things that happened. Almost the safest day in Texas history we've ever had. Almost the safest. Because I need to remind you that last week was. Yeah, I remember. The Texas sniper, uh-huh. another person died. Yeah. It was just it all was, bad. It was, uh, it so was I'll a, take the blues pianist. It was a massacre. Day in day. history. <laughs> Well, that's anyway, great. Anyway, that's awesome. Tell so, us about our very special small town of the week. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely going to tell you about it, but I think Zeke could help me out here because our small town of the week is... Sweetwater. Sweetwater, Sweetwater. home of the fake Mustangs. Hey. <laughs> Life sweet in Texas. <laughs> sweet Zeke, what was Texas. it like growing up in Sweetwater? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I was yes. excited to come do this. Thank you for doing it. <laughs> uh, it's Sweetwater was great. I born and raised... Um, I didn't realize that it was any different than anywhere else, you know, until I moved away. Uh, growing up in Sweetwater was, everyone was really friendly. Everyone was really kind. Uh, me and my family were Baptist. Uh, so I grew up in a church kind of, you know, community. Same. How's unpacking that that stuff been going? That Baptist life. I was, like, I had a really fortunate upbringing. Like, there's really, really nothing I can trace back to there. Uh, other than positive memories and what I do want to hear about, yes, is the rattlesnake roundup, the ra- home of the la- world's largest rattlesnake roundup. <laughs> there Can it you is. Please share us. I actually got a little jealous. Like I kind of got um, puffy chested when people when I would move away and, pe- mm-hmm. uh, and people met, talked about other towns having rattlesnake roundups. Uh, I was like, well. Ours is the world's largest rattlesnake <laughs> like roundup. You, you may have a rattlesnake roundup, but it is not even close to the biggest. I don't remember the first like the first time. Mm-hmm. or anything weird about the first time, right? Yeah. Like, we just started going. And it was, like, a whole weekend of events that started, like, on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I noticed there was more people in town. We had already, by the time I, re- like, my first memory of the Rattlesnake Roundup, we are, I was already familiar with rattlesnakes. Yeah. Right. Did, did you get to hold them at all at Rattlesnake Roundup, or was that more of a... There's a group called the JCs that would come to grade school when yeah. mm-hmm. I was a kid. And they were the ones that rounded up the rattlesnakes all throughout the southwest United States. And I remember touching them. And they would bring them in, and we would touch them. And I always thought they were going to be, like, slimy or something. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, but when you go to the actual event, if you go into the Coliseum, you can, you can touch them. You can touch them. And, 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 and it's a whole thing, right? Aren't they, like, they're displaying them, they're finding the biggest one, they're... Definitely. There's a big pit with a bunch of them in there. There's a lot correct? of pits. Yeah. So when you walk in, you can hear just like the the yeah the rattles. Oh, does that Dude, that's like, does that uh, stay with you for a couple of days? It's weird. I have a lot. I have some phobias. Sure. Snakes aren't one of them. Obviously, I wouldn't want to get bit by a snake. Yeah. But I wasn't you know adverse to going into the coliseum, uh, in the pits, watching them. But yeah, they have like several events. I mean, there used to be. I remember the Miss Snake Charmer. Yes, I, there's actually a picture of her on the Wikipedia yeah, page. There with, was always uh, a mistake yeah, 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 like pageant. How does that work? Do I they just like wrap snakes around them and see who doesn't die? <laughs> Is that <laughs> if you survive? Is it a bite, bite test? Well, when in, when I was younger, it was weird. Like we knew it was going on, but no one was really like right. to, uh, like knew what was going on. Um, but you would always hear about like in the newspaper, like who won Miss Snake Charmer. Yeah. They had to do different things. One of I remember being younger, and they had to skin them. They had yeah. to like skin 
and the girls had to like go in there and skin them. <laughs> I I think they stopped doing that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> You're not too positive. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but this the the rattlesnake roundup was great. I when I went to college, I brought back you know friends from college, fraternity brothers. Yeah. Um, because it was right at the beginning of spring break, and so we would go, and I took people a few times. And they were just like mind what blown. Is were this. they just what the heck? They is thought this? it was just so crazy. I couldn't, and I had to like really think about like why is it so weird to them? Right, it's so normal to <laughs> me. Because it was every year for you. Yeah, right? they it's this big thing. They were like, like, "Are you gonna wrestle a pig?" I was like, "No, no, we're gonna wrestle <laughs> really large snakes." I'm right. kidding. <laughs> no, get in there. No. Well, do you think it was one of those things where you would tell your fraternity brothers, your friends about this thing that happens with rattlesnakes, and they would kind of think, okay. I'm sure there's some snakes, but there's no way it's... I don't think they realized how many. They realized how many snakes there actually and were how big, be. And how big of an event it was. Like, yeah, people would dude. come from all over the world to participate in the cook-off. So, so I have numbers. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Tell us so annually, it brings in $5 million in revenue and 30,000 tourists. So that's people oh, outside... Sure. Uh, and that's a town, 10,000 people large. I was going to say that's three times as big. Three times the population. So this is a massive event. It was um, big. It's, it's absolutely... That's what she said. What, uh, a, what is your favorite rattlesnake dish that you ever remember having? I just remember it was barbecue rattlesnake. Just barbecue? Yeah. Just a nice smoky just, ring to yeah, it? Yeah, and it didn't taste like... It tasted good. Yeah. The texture was, sure, you know, good. It mm-hmm. wasn't beef. It, it was more like... Chicken. chicken. It was like chicken. <laughs> yeah. oh, come on now. It's like chicken. I, I was trying not to say that, but, but it as far as consistency goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's some other cool stuff about Sweetwater. Um, you guys also have the single, uh, or the, let me get this right, the eighth largest wind farm, like in the world. It produces over 40,000 megawatts of electricity, which is pretty insane. We're not available in, in, in uh, February. Yeah, none, none of that was none of available that, yeah, yeah. in February. None of that was available. My wind. question is, how do you plant wind? Well, I do... <laughs> You're a nerd. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know that's not how it works. When I, the, the wind farm started going up right when I moved away to college. Mm-hmm. And when I went, and every year I would go back. And now when I go back, it's just so big. Especially yeah. if you drive through at night and you see the red blinking lights, mm-hmm. you realize like how big it is. It, it, and it's actually kind of... It's almost dangerous to drive into West Texas at night because of how therapeutic the red lights going off is. I have so many memories of driving from Austin to like Amarillo and you go towards Sweetwater, not necessarily through it, mm-hmm. and all you see is just a, a sea re- of red lights going red off. Lights. And I then thought it was kind of creepy. It's a, but then it's my OCD kicks in because there's those two lights that don't go off at the same time. And so then all I can focus on those is two those two lights. I remember uh, like driving driving back one night through Sweetwater, and I, I must have just watched like a scary movie or something because I got super paranoid about like oh god some like it's they're little robots and they're watching me. We have some urban legends on Sweetwater. Can you please yeah, share please? one? The one that I'm familiar with is one called Hatchet Man. Oh, hatchet. And anybody listening from Sweetwater will is like, probably laughing right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, because everyone has gone out to, like, Hatchet Man's house out by the lake. Yeah. And so Lake Sweetwater was a man-made lake. Okay. And there was a abandoned house out there. And, every, I mean, I don't know if they still go, but back back in my day, uh, <laughs> it was something we, all the high schoolers did. We okay. would go out and you would drink there. And then once you got drunk, you'd go out looking for... You know, apparently, well, apparently Hatchet Man killed his family, chopped them up with the hatchet, buried them somewhere. Those people were never found, and then they never found Hatchet Man himself. 
So that was the urban legend, to go find the, like, the remains. But the scary part was, you know, that he could be out there. That he could be out there. Yeah. And w- so would y'all go into the house, or you just Yeah, were... it was really creepy. You had to, so it was blocked off, yeah. right? You, it had, like, a mound of dirt, so, like, you couldn't drive in there. Okay. So you had to, like, park out by the street, walk up about a quarter mile. Okay. Up a hill, you know? So the whole experience was usually really fun and yeah. scary. Well, I mean, plus it's a Saturday night for high schoolers in West Texas. Whether it's a pit party and you're going downhill or a hill party and going uphill, no one's really going to bat we're, an eye no, at a little we're bit gonna of We're going to have walk. some fun. Did anybody ever, like, stay the night in the house? Oh, like, gosh, no. Not that scary? I know of. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. That sound, This sounds horrifying, by the way. This does sound <laughs> terrifying. This actually does sound like the type of thing that I would have, like, had nightmares about as a kid. Oh, <laughs> It's definitely, like, a, something to scare the kids. Okay. Because so even if you're just out at the lake, you're right. like, how, you're you're like, like, as a kid, you don't know how close no, that house is. No, and you know? all you're thinking about is, so where's Hatchet Man? Hatchet Man could be Hatchet anywhere. Man. Oh you can gosh. you can use it to keep your kids close. How? Mm-hmm. What age were you when you realized, this is maybe not true? Oh, I... In high school. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Just fair, fair enough. enough. Fair enough. I'm still pretty convinced Hatchet Man But real. still, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's not true. Once you're out there, it's... It feels real. I thought of it. Just a couple more cool things about Sweetwater. During World War II, and you might know this. Um, Not because he's old. No, but because Sweet- I was there. He was there. He was Zeke was uh, keeping everything locked down. I think I know where you're going now. with this. I'm excited. <laughs> well, oh, th- th- I didn't know this, and this is actually really cool. Um, some of the British RAF pilots are trained in one of the airfields. Specifically, they were training the women Air Force Service pilots, the WASPs. The WASPs. There what? you go. Yes. Um, and they were trained under the direction of famed aviator Jacqueline Cochran at Sweetwater's Avenger Field. Isn't that so cool? That's, that's so really cool. cool. I we think are... that's why I have like a bias for like Avengers and yeah, really? movies. Yeah. 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 It's it, it, we, they teach us about that at a pretty young age. The really? Wasps, and you saw you would see. I don't remember. I think you could. They had like a billboard out mm-hmm. close to the airfield. And then they may have been in the little museum that were there. Yeah. That's just really cool. So, like, I, obviously you learn about it. And like we are right now, one of the reasons we do this is we get to learn really cool things yeah. about small towns. From Hatchet we, Man to the from Wasps. From Hatchet Man so to the Wasps. wasps. <laughs> yes. Same thing. Uh, Same <laughs> But I, lo- I love learning about these things. So as, as you're growing up and learning, is it just, like, part of the culture? Do, is it something that is celebrated widely? Or is it just one of those things kind of like, you know, the Rattlesnake Roundup where it's like, oh, this happened and it's kind of cool. With the Rattlesnake Roundup, it's since it's annual, it's kind of in your face. Yeah. With the wasps, um, I think you learn about it, you hear about it, but it could be celebrated more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I would. Yeah. I absolutely I would, would definitely lean into that. Last thing that I'll, I'll bring up today about Sweetwater, the wonderful small town of Sweetwater, because I know that you are a bit of a fantasy nerd. Am I right? Yes. So, J.K. Rowling in her book, Quidditch Throughout the Ages, mentions that one of the United States Quidditch teams is the Sweetwater All-Stars, based in Sweetwater, Texas. I didn't know that. The what? Yep. Are we sure that's true? That's true. Hot Tyler? We got a thumbs up? We've, oh, thumbs up. We uh, t- by the way, everybody, we have a fact checker now. Be on the lookout for Hot Tyler. He'll be showing up here and there, but we just got the thumbs up and a smile, so we can confirm that that's a fact. Sweetwater All-Stars. Sweetwater All-Stars from Sweetwater, Sweetwater Texas. Texas. Thank you, Hot Tyler. Wow. 
That's fun. So there you go. That's, that's really, really fun. cool. That's Sweetwater, Texas for you. I just want to know how she found out about Sweetwater, Texas. I'm sure she just like threw a you know a dark, dark map and was like, and eh. anyway, probably landed on Abilene and she thought <laughs> right. Abilene All Stars. I just doesn't, think I mean roll off the tongue. Right. You couldn't couldn't have named it the Mustangs. I mean, I, it could have been the Mustangs. Right. Like that's it should have been. Should have. Well, fake Mustangs. Fake but J.K. Rowling's. Yeah. yeah, yeah it could have seen. Why not? Why not? Right. Awesome. Well, we're going to get back to Zeke here in a second with a full conversational interview. But just really quick, this episode's Texas Badass of the Week is none other than Jack F. Grimm, famous oil tycoon, conspiracy theorist, and seeker of secret things. You like the conspiracy guys. I. It's not because I like conspiracy theories, but I think they're funny to sure. observe. And not because I think conspiracy theories are inherently good, bad, dumb, smart, whatever. It's just, they're entertaining. Just the way that I dedicate my life to reading is the way that someone dedicates their life to finding Bigfoot. I just think that's kind of fun. So Jack F. Grimm, a flamboyant West Texas wildcatter who found his share of oil in Texas and Oklahoma, but had less luck searching for Sasquatch in the Pacific Northwest, the abominable snowman in Nepal, the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland, Noah's Ark in Turkey, and the Titanic in the North Atlantic. Uh, He died when he was 72 in our favorite town, Abilene, Texas. His family said the cause of death was cancer to suggest that Mr. Grimm was a perpetual seeker who would hardly do justice to a man who was so inspired by his grandfather's tales of buried treasure that at the age of 11, he blew up a creek bed near his home in Wagner, Oklahoma. So basically what I love about this guy is it's like if Nick Cage was a Texan and had a lot of money. Because where most oil tycoons, their thought process was, oh, I have a lot of money. I should invest it or get more oil. This guy was like, I'm finding Bigfoot. Jack Grimm was like, you know, this Bigfoot thing seems worth pursuing. So (laughs) Texas Badass of the Week is none other than Jack Grimm. Y'all dream big just like Jack Grimm. He never found Bigfoot. He never found the Abominable Snowman. He didn't even find the Titanic, but he tried. And, and that's the point. That's the point. He you tried. You gotta try. Exactly. So, Jack Grimm, that's our Texas Badass of the Week. Badass of the Week. Badass of the Week. Back to our true badass that we are sitting in the presence of, the wonderful Zeke. We can't thank you enough for sitting here to have this conversation with us, to do this interview with us. We are very honored to have you here. You're so welcome. Thank you for having We're, me. And uh, just before we even dive into anything, can you just tell us a little bit of what you do here at Squatch and how you ended up really at this table with us today? Thanks. I found Squatch a year ago, uh, post my own COVID. Uh, so after I had gotten COVID, uh, recovered and was working out outside of my, uh, out of my garage and kind of training my clients there. Yeah. And one of my buddies who works over here at this CreateScape, like co-op co-working space, yeah. uh, found, saw the gym. We, we joined, there was probably like eight members at the time. Oh, wow. Worked out here. I really liked it. It was really quiet, (laughs) (laughs) but I liked it and it made a lot of sense in the COVID era to have it so open and, um, a lot of plenty of space. So I didn't know the guys and, you know, I've been in fitness for since 2008 is kind of like where my journey started and I started officially training in 2012. Um, 
But when I met the guys, the owners here, they didn't know that. You know, okay. They didn't know anything about me. Yeah. Right. And so when I asked to work here as a trainer, um, I felt like they were, they felt like they were going out on a limb. Yeah. And sure. I was like, I promise. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at this. this was is there what not I'm a part of you that was like, do you not do see? You not, guy, listen, I know this isn't a, like a video podcast, but let me describe the Greek gods sitting in front of us. Yes. Dude's built like a house. Shoulders so wide. Biceps could, so engorged. So barely. The shirt <laughs> is just straining at the seams. He's a beautiful man. He's got that core that sort of uh, juts out, but then as a easily, washboard. Easily the best butt in the gym. Easily. Like, by far. Th- and that's the best part. It's proportional. It? You're not, yeah. You don't got the toothpick legs. You, no you toothpick do not legs. have the toothpick He's, legs. Yeah. It, no. And I can tell that you. it's on purpose, right? You've that earned I, it. It's oh, I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah, working out legs were, you know, when I first got with my trainer back in 2008, he told me, like, your legs will be the foundation of your, your physique. Mm-hmm. And, um... He was right. Speaking of speaking of physique, I just have to say Zeke also has the best Instagram the best handle Instagram I've ever name. seen. Just physique. It's physique. It's, it's so great. I love when so, so some people get it right away. Sure. They, they see it and they're like physique. Oh, that's that's, that's cool. Oh, and they compliment me, right? Genius. And some people I'll know for a long time. <laughs> and then like I've I've had friends who I've had been friends with for years, and then I'll have a conversation like this, and somebody will be sitting there, and they're like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I always wondered why it was Phi Zeke. <laughs> They're like, oh, we knew you were in a fraternity, the Phi. Like, Phi Zeke. And it, Phi well, Zeke. I was in Phi Oda Alpha, yeah. yeah. Well, That's, wow. But Tyler's <laughs> probably like, wait, is it Zeke? <laughs> are you going to the first time or did you get it? Okay, Tyler got it. Tyler got it. Tyler got it. Tyler got it. So yeah. anybody who didn't get it, you guys are just dumb. Clever, uh, clever built-in fitness-related nickname. I, I mean, even with that, though, they were they felt like they were going out on a limb for you. Were you not tempted to pull well, up your Instagram? It was interesting because since they didn't have any members and sure. I was asking to be a trainer here, they were afraid that I was looking for clients. Mm-hmm. And so they oh. were like, you know, if... It, you, we don't know. We don't really want to take trainers because we can't have... We don't have any members to... Right, to like... To, to pass you for... Yeah. For clients. But I had some clients that had stuck with me through COVID and... Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I was just looking for a home for them. And so I ended up, you know, they said yes. Like, he, he uh, there was another guy that worked here, and he went and talked to Jason and Clay and came back. He was like, you know what, we're going to, yeah, it's cool. And awesome. it was, like, such a, like, a, yeah, sure, no problem. But for me, I lost sleep for, like, days. Yeah. Like, oh. please. <laughs> I was telling my friends, like, I really want to train there. Mm-hmm. I have a really good feeling about this. And um, when I brought my clients, they were all just really happy. Yeah. You know, and so my clients yeah. have seen um, the gym grow, you know, at 6 in the morning with certain clients that I had saw it where it was just us mm-hmm. for a couple of months yeah. and then now there's more and more and now it's like a busy a now there's just shirtless gladiators yeah. just yeah. everywhere walking They're around just making so us feel it's, bad about it's it. motivating it's, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It, it, dude it is so motivating <laughs> now something that interests me and, and this is just uh, maybe I don't know my thing but you told me that you didn't play sports growing up that this was not um, maybe a path that you had thought about until later in life and I'm always interested in what turns take people down the paths they end up walking so what was it that brought you, somebody who was essentially untrained, into becoming, again, just the specimen we see before us who teaches other people how to, you know, do what you do? It's pretty interesting, I think. Um, you're right. I didn't play sports. I never was in anything athletic. In, in high school, I was an art kid. I was the kid mm-hmm. walking around with, like, paint, you know, because I would go to tutorials. And yeah. it took me, like, two weeks longer to complete all of my projects. But, no, I never did any any kind of sports or any kind of athletics. 
did a little bit of uh, fitness in college, but was really the thing that drove me towards fitness. And some people are sad to hear this. Um, I was really afraid of getting gay bashed. Really? Oh my yeah. God. Like, I know. And I, I have to be honest, like, I really felt really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a small yeah. town guy, moved to a city. Mm-hmm. I saw things happening in the news. I saw people, you know, getting hurt in and not like people I knew, but just on the peripheral, like in the outskirts, I would, I heard stories right? and I felt really vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so I felt like I wanted to be more imposing. Yeah. I wanted somebody to look at me and be like, he's probably not worth the trouble. You yeah, know? sure. Which I don't know if that's what happened, but I, it, it just opened the door. I just wanted to feel more confident yeah. in my body and, and my capabilities. Yeah. And so I got a trainer and right away it transitioned from that being the driving force to like, this is really fun and I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. And I like the way that it makes me feel and I understood it. And I had, I got really lucky with the trainer that I got. He was really ahead of the curve, just taught me a lot. It all made sense to me. And so even though that's where it started and that's where it stemmed from being in college and kind of like being, you know, Mm -hmm. Look, always looking over my shoulder. Right. Uh, right away, it became just a really fun place and very th- therapeutic mm-hmm. and a place where I kind of just thrived. I was afraid of the guys in the gym mm-hmm. were the guys that I was afraid of growing up. Yeah. yeah. And now I just couldn't feel more comfortable in a gym. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, it's literally, I'm just as comfortable there as I am at home. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being so vulnerable with us. I mean, that's, that's you know. I think it's important because when, if... I were a young guy listening to something like this and I heard this and then I went and looked at Zeke's Instagram and sure. saw it and I, it, it just kind of helps. Yeah. It makes you feel not so alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like that you're not so different. And I reiterate what I said, thank you for sharing just the, the full vulnerable truth of it. Sort of tearing up thinking about that. Yeah. Um, as far as just that narrative at the time, the, the gay bashing and, and that fear, if you don't mind me asking, was, was that a Texas narrative? Was it solely being in sort of more conservative state that sort of drove that? Was it more just across the nation that was something you were seeing? That, the fear of that never crossed my mind growing up. Mm-hmm. Never. I, when I was growing up and being in the closet, the fear was that someone was going to tell my family. Yeah. You know? my fear has always stemmed from my family. I mm-hmm. love them so much and we're so close and I wouldn't, I never wanted anything to change. And so the thought that someone else could come in and change that was terrifying. Yeah. Um, because it felt like I had this secret, yeah. you know, and it wasn't the, the, the physical violence part of it didn't come into play until I moved to the city. Okay. And, and you went to school here, right? I went to school in San Antonio. San Antonio, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So okay. I was living Road in San Antonio. Runners? Ro- Roadrunners, yes. Go Roadrunners, <laughs> baby. Um, that was, you know, I, I even but even when you heard stories, it was never the locals. It yeah. was always somebody from out of town that came in, mm-hmm. and and but it was still like I didn't know what people thought when they looked at me. Yeah, right. you know, so. Gotcha. And when, when did you realize just along this journey that you had, you had a secret or what felt like a secret as far as realizing, Oh, I'm, I am gay. Pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty young. It started with like a, just, I think I had a really good friend and I liked being around him and it was probably like the fourth grade Mm -hmm. and 
I would think about him a lot and I didn't really know why, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then right away when I started to dawn on me and anybody who grew up with me mm-hmm. would listen to this and say, oh my God, I saw that happen. Mm-hmm. So I pulled away. So yeah. I was afraid of rejection. So I just was like, well, if I don't have any friends, then there's nobody to reject me. Yeah. Right. So then I kind of like pulled away. But in a small town, you're growing up with these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I've, I've been friends with some people longer than I've known my little sister. Yeah. You know, who's four <laughs> years younger than me. Yeah. You know, because we were just forever. That's who yeah. you're around, especially if you're involved in the church, too. And so just... I think that a lot of people saw me around fifth grade, sixth grade, mm-hmm. you know, kind of start retreating a little bit. Um, and you know, growing up Baptist, they never said anything terrible Mm -hmm. about, you know, homosexuality or anything like that. So I don't ever, I don't have any resentment or hold anything against the church in that regard. Um, but you're like a Fox when you're growing up, you hear like little things. So like little tiny comments that were made by like family members or friends, uh, stick with you and they will dictate your decision-making and, and little fears that turn into big fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was really young. I was probably in the fourth, fifth grade when I started to realize something was different. Mm-hmm. And I think in the sixth, seventh grade is whenever I realized what it was. Yeah. So then, although I didn't know for a couple of years, then I realized later, like, oh, that's what it is. Gotcha. And yeah. at that point, it was like, well, why me? Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't understand because I was, I believed in God and I was Christian and mm-hmm. um, I, it just felt kind of unfair. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I had this whole phase in um, middle school, maybe into high school, where I kind of rebelled against my faith. And mm-hmm. I'm not the most religious guy, but I believe in God. And, I, you know, yeah. I'm happy, proud Christian. Um, but I would tell people, like, I don't believe in God. And mm-hmm. I knew I did. Yeah. But it was just me being, like, angry. Yeah. I was just like... This. It was like a safe way to rebel. Yeah. Because I knew that I did. But I wanted people to know that I was upset about it. Yeah. And even though they didn't know why mm-hmm. or where that was coming from, it was it ended up being a good thing because then I really challenged a lot of things that I had been taught. Mm-hmm. And at that at a really young age, I was able to challenge them and decide what fits with my own personal wiring and yeah. who I am. Yeah. So, and I've been able to bring that with me through adult life. That's awesome. And when you, you mentioned fear, the was the biggest fear throughout this part of your journey more just with telling your, your family and when did you tell your family and and what was that that process like? That was a little bit of a process. Yeah. I went, so my, I always said, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to do it when I'm 18. Yeah. And then 18 came and went, and I'm like, I didn't do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. 19's a little bit. And then it was always like, well, there's this other thing going on. Like, sure. I can just go to college. You know what? Let me focus right. on that. Yeah. Um, so I did want to get out of town. Um, I'm not one of those people who's, like, really bitter or resentful towards sure. my mm-hmm. hometown, you know? Which is really refreshing, by the it way. Really I really want you to know that. I loved growing up there. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. I have so many good stories. I mean being raised by you know when you're in a small town it's like you're being raised by, by more than town. just your family you're literally yeah. raised by a village well, especially with the <laughs> with the church aspect of it there are people who are part of your life in such a like in a more powerful position yeah. than just friends of friends they have direct influence on your raising i actually uh graduated with the pastor's daughter yeah okay lacy and at years later i mean this must have been 10 years later, I found her on Facebook and I sent her a message like, hey, just by the way, your dad and your mom and the whole church, mm-hmm. just really positive influence and mm-hmm. really um, great support system. Yeah. And I'm really 
fortunate to have had that experience. And, you know, she was like, oh, thanks. Who wouldn't like to get a message like that uh, yeah. about their parents? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that it, it was just really fun the other day when we made that connection of we said we're from Andrews and you <laughs> knew where it was yeah. and you yeah. said Sweetwater and I, I could already sense a here's a guy from a small town who doesn't resent the small town he's from and yeah. no never Seth and I poke fun at Andrews sometimes yeah. we have to the reality is we love where we're from and we we love mm-hmm. just the difference of being raised in a small town versus a big town. And it's just really unique and cool to, to see in you and see from you your genuine love for your upbringing and where you're from. And it's, it's refreshing. Thanks. Yeah. yeah like I, I, I think about it more now, I think because I'm like, okay, if I had kids, although I can't see myself living in Sweetwater, um, I think could, I, I'm going to have to raise them in a city. Like yeah. that's, I don't know how to so do that. I don't know how to do yeah, that. I don't know, know the tricks here. That, yeah. I know all the tricks for a small town, you know. <laughs> and does your family still live in Sweetwater for the most part? My mom, my older brother, and my older sister live in Sweetwater and a lot and a lot of my mom's family. Okay. And my dad, he retired and moved to San Antonio and my younger sister lives in San Antonio too. Okay. Gotcha. And so sort sort of circling back, you went to college. Did you tell your family oh, during college? So I came out to friends first. Okay. And that happened right away. I started telling a few people. Um, the first person I told from my family was my younger sister on a trip. We were actually driving from San Antonio to Sweetwater. Okay. She was, she was with me. And I think it was for a holiday, like Christmas, mm-hmm. which is very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Like people say, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gay, uh, gay men come out on Christmas, les- <laughs> lesbians come out on Thanksgiving. So. Oh my <laughs> but I remember sitting with my mom on Christmas Eve <laughs> and telling her and thinking, like, I can't believe I'm doing this on Christmas Eve. Like, yeah. of course, like oh, it's so stereotypical <laughs> of me. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I thought that was going to open the door and like I was going to tell everyone. Yeah, I actually didn't tell my older brother and sister for a few years. Okay, and it started to get to the point where I was like in my er, like mid twenties mm-hmm. to the point where they knew mm-hmm. and they started to feel bad that I didn't tell them. Yeah, and so then it, it went from being like this thing where like I was uncertain and afraid to. Well, now you're just not including them in this part of your life. Right. You know? yeah. So the first thing I, the first question both my brother and sister asked me, and they didn't know that they both asked me this was, <laughs> so do you have a boyfriend? That, like that they were so <laughs> eager to like, like awesome, they wanted go. to know so bad. Right. Uh, I didn't at the time. Right. So <laughs> I was like, no, my dad was the last one okay. that I told. And he has evolved so much. Like, growing up, my dad was so conservative. He was sure. from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and not conservative in the way, like, politically, just, like, really... There's a very masculine yeah, like, machismo. Very quiet, yeah, yeah. didn't joke a lot. And um, when I finally told him, he had come a long way. And mm-hmm. he his reaction was just, you know, the most heartwarming reaction I could have asked for, you know, he gave me a hug first, told me he loved me. And then he started speaking in Spanish and I was like, oh no, like he, this <laughs> is like, this is a really vulnerable, he's had, like yeah. he's being, he's, he's talking from the heart. Yeah. And, uh, I remember I, I, I told him in San Antonio when I had gone to a trip and then I left and my sisters called me later and they were like, Hey, dad was sniffling. Like when he came in, like, what did you do? And I was like, I told him and they were like, <gasps> <laughs> oh my God. yeah. But after that, like, that's it. 
it was my mom, my dad, my brother, and my two sisters. Mm-hmm. Those are the people I came out to. I never, ever felt like I needed to come out to anyone else. Sure. Like, it was just, this is a part of me, and... Mm-hmm. It's who you are. I'm you not going to yeah. come out to yeah. anyone else. They were right. the ones that I needed to give that little piece of respect to. Yeah. Well, and it's beautiful that they, everybody seemed to be in a place where it, it wasn't something that was like a huge deal the question was do you have a boyfriend like so excited to be part of the journey with you it wasn't a huge deal but when you think about where when I was a kid if you would have asked them like what if your brother's gay or what if your son is gay they wouldn't have been happy about it they Mm -hmm. weren't yeah and even at the time like they were uncomfortable with it you know they weren't sure what to talk about or what this meant or Mm -hmm. what it would like look like and um so Fortunately, I was very, you know, respectful of people's feelings and, and sure. understood that it was... So, like, I told my mom, and we didn't talk about it again for a year. Yeah. yeah. But it was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew she knew, and I knew she was okay with it, and that's all I needed. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And, and to sort of piggyback on the story about your dad, your dad, like I said, is from Mexico, mm-hmm. and so you're first-generation Texan, first-generation American, correct? Yes. What 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 was it like to, uh, again, I insta talk to you before we did this, um, <laughs> and your dad officially became a citizen semi-recently. A few years ago, A few yeah. years ago. What was it like, you know, growing up with him and watching that journey and, and being raised in a home where you're the first generation of his family to be raised somewhere completely different it was only really um something that i noticed whenever we would go visit family in mexico because my mom's family was all in most of them were in sweetwater okay and once a year we would go visit my family in mexico and that's when as i got older it started to dawn on me like this could have been my life mm-hmm. right or i just wouldn't exist because yeah. my parents wouldn't have met yeah um I think my dad had a really eagerness for living in this country mm-hmm. because he didn't, they had land, they had, you know, sure. cattle, like animals and it wouldn't have been a bad life. It would have been a much more simple life. Um, but there was an eagerness he had for being American. Mm-hmm. And I think that's translated to us. Like yeah. he was a really hard worker. My dad was just a really great dad provided. Yeah all we needed. I had a stay at home mom. Like it couldn't have been better, mm-hmm. uh, growing up. Um, and I think that's what it was like, just that eagerness. And then meeting people in Mexico who were living a happy, comfortable life, my cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, but they recognized that we were American mm-hmm. sure. and there was a little difference there, Yeah, you know, even though we were first cousins and, yeah. right. um, it was a, it was an experience that I that really helped me, mm-hmm. as far as being a hard worker myself. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so evident that you're a hard worker. I mean, you got your uh, training certification certification in what 2012? and you're the head trainer here at the coolest gym in Austin by far. <laughs> yeah, Which we got to keep on the DL. By the got to keep it on the DL. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody yeah, where this treasure. is. It's this is this is not something I'm sharing with people. They, this, they uh, are not a sponsor. Do not come here. <laughs> do not come here. We're fine. It's the Austin thing. We <laughs> love you. Don't come we here. We love you. Don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. It's just the way that seeing my dad, and, you know, he did those typical dad things that, you know, made you do work when you didn't want to. Yeah. Right. You know, that pile of dirt needs to be moved over there. Like, why? <laughs> why? And why do I have to? I'm so right scrawny. There. Like, why do I have to do it? Uh, yeah, exactly. But I still did it. And yeah, so, like, yeah. it was, uh, 
when you first start personal training, it's tough. You don't have any clients. Mm-hmm. You don't have any experience. Yeah, you have the educational background, but right. your schedule sucks. You yeah. know, they're long days, long hours. It really weeds people out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm really proud of, you know, what I do and, and my ability to deliver that kind of experience to people. Yeah. And it does stem from, you know, him. Yeah. You know. That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Did, did you know that when you started build, building your clientele, started your fitness journey, or was it maybe in retrospect that you realized, oh, I'm, my work ethic is drawn from... I knew right away. Yeah. Yeah, because there were things that I, I felt like I understood. This is going to suck for a little mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. And I never re- questioned it. Like, yeah. I just knew that that's just how it had to be. Yeah. And we would get new trainers who it was too much. It was like, yeah. oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. Sure. You know, and they didn't want to work those long hours. They mm-hmm. didn't want to train those, those really cheap out sessions. You know, yeah. that you're working for a corporate gym and they give you a, a, a cheap session. And yeah. There were people who just didn't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so it, there's just one way forward and that's forward. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I freaking love you, Z. Dude, I, yeah, <laughs> you, you are easily one of the, my favorite people I've met since moving yeah, back to Austin. This whole time, my love, so nice my love meter is going up. Dude, even, yeah, just getting to know you through this, um, I, you know, we got to we gotta do something and get to know you even more. Yeah, uh, off mic, of course. But, <laughs> uh, we don't just want you to be on mic. No, yeah. Uh, but... The so what was it like just going back to your dad really quick when watching him do the work he did watching him go back and see his family in mm-hmm. Mexico but still choose to come back to Sweetwater and, and pursue life here in the states what was that moment like to watch him get his citizenship and, and get oh, to man. that point so when I was a kid I knew that my dad was studying to get his citizenship mm-hmm. I didn't know until that day when I got that, the, so you probably saw the picture of my yeah, dad. Yeah, I scrolled judge. for yeah, a long yeah. time, man. So, <laughs> uh, one of my siblings sent me that picture, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is happening? Like, why is my dad <laughs> with a judge? Like, I didn't. It looked like a nice photo, yeah. and he I didn't. Happy. I didn't know that back then he had never actually finished gotcha. getting his citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, I just always thought he got it." Yeah. And so it wasn't until that picture mm-hmm. that I realized he hadn't gotten it. And then I was curious, like, wait, what? Why did dad suddenly do this? Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. So my stepmom, she's from Mexico City. She had gotten her citizenship and everything was fine. You know, my dad uh, uh, was a resident here. He didn't absolutely need to get his citizenship, mm-hmm. obviously, you know. He, yeah. He was already retired. Yeah. Um, had you know kids here but my stepmom under the last uh administration Mm -hmm. got a little nervous with the way things were and the thought crossed her mind like what if my husband who has been here for you know over 40 50 years what if he got sent back because he doesn't have his citizenship and how unfair that would be considering his contribution to society and, and and his kids contribution to society um and that was enough for him to, it's, it was something he did less for him and more for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Which was, I was just so proud. I was just so <laughs> proud because yeah. Yeah. if it was hard for him when he was younger. Yeah. Of course it's going to It be. must have been harder as an adult. Yeah. You know, but he was so driven and I think inspired by his, his wife and his kids. And, and that work ethic. Yeah, and it yeah. was just such like a cool like American dream story. Yeah, it really is. You know? It really is. I mean, that's because I mean, he did come point, here right? illegally. Yeah. You know, my dad yeah. came here illegally, got deported a couple mm-hmm. of times, 
came back, was mm-hmm. determined to have kids here and build yeah. a life. He never saw it as like I'm doing something illegal yeah. and shady. Right. It's mm-hmm. like I want to come here and, and live. Yeah. Right. And I want my kids to be American. Yeah, I want and to make a life. It was, I can't imagine anything else. It was love, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just... I'd, le- I'd love to talk to my dad about wh- like what was the, his first thoughts of America before he came. Yeah. You know? right. Because mm-hmm. I know what his thoughts are being here. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, what, what, what made him risk so much? Because yeah. he knew you could get in trouble. You always know yeah. you can get in trouble. Yeah. You know, it's, it's illegal. Yeah. Dang. We need to have your dad on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, it'd be so. I'd be curious. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's the story, right? Yeah. That's, that's the story. That's part of what makes you know this amazing is the ability to do that to to create something new to establish a life with the family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just. I'm so stoked that he did because that means you're here. Yeah. <laughs> it means we can just talk to you. I do. I feel really, I'm so proud to be American and Texan. And um, I just, I, not a day goes by that I'm yeah. like, this is the best life. Do, I, I love that. Do you think that in both people in the gay community, but also people in maybe a conservative community would be surprised to hear you say that? Like, I am proud to be Texan. I am proud to be American. Just, yeah. I've definitely feel like a little bit of an anomaly mm-hmm. of sorts because of my upbringing, my background, the components that make up who I am, uh, the things that I am proud of, and unapologetically too. Yeah, yeah there are people on both sides uh, mm-hmm. that I have differences with, mm-hmm. and that's on you know straight conservative America yeah. and also on the LGBTQ part of the spectrum too where people, you know, have, feel like I should fit an agenda. Mm-hmm. And I've never been able to do that. I've yeah. always been just me. Yeah. And yeah, I am proud to be a, a bunch of these things that yeah. can conflict with each other, but they live harmoniously in me, so. Yeah. And you're so, you are such an example of I don't, beauty and strength. Like, I have never seen you in a bad mood. You are obvi- always radiating positivity and is that something that you've just had your whole life or is it something that you have been able to cultivate and transform over your journey that's tough um I feel like that's been something like a something people have told me throughout my life Mm -hmm. you know that I'm just relentlessly optimistic um I don't like to feel negative energy, and so when I do, I try to just let it, I surrender to it right away, and I try to just let it expel it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if I were in a bad mood, I'm going to see it from a positive perspective, you know? Yeah. So if you caught me in a bad mood, I'd probably be talking about why, yeah. and then so that I can get to a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I, I A lot of it comes from just the people that, taught me like mm-hmm. my teachers growing up yeah. you know uh, like I wish I could say that <laughs> I mean, she's gonna kill me for this <laughs> do but it, my do mom it, is so like she's a pessimist like she's yeah gotcha. she's, but but she's like not in a bad way but more in like an emotional way yeah. you know like growing up she would always say things like oh I just hope I get to see my kids graduate high school and I was like that's in a few years like <laughs> you're like what yeah I was terrified like what are you we're saying like, you mom I'm graduating fail? tomorrow what's I, were you like do you think I'm gonna fail or die you know, but like what's going on I was just opposite I was just always super duper op- optimistic um it really helps with what I do you mm-hmm. know when a, sure. when a client comes in and they're feeling down about this 
crazy weekend mm -hmm. adventure they had, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, it's still where we are. Like, yeah, it's what you did last weekend is or this weekend is not going to change our steps going forward unless you let them. Yeah. So now yeah. jump on the bar. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like it's a better life to be happy and optimistic. Well, we everybody here benefits from it, Absolutely. not just your clients. Oh, and you. are you usually on the mic down there? Because Again, I stalked. You're a DJ too, correct? No, I'm not a DJ. There's a picture. There's of a picture a of you DJing. <sighs> what is that? What? No, are you lying to us right now? That was a art installation at <laughs> Native uh, Hostel, but I think okay. it was called. Uh, what was that called? There was a name for it. It was. It, it's been there for a little while. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you're not the first person to accidentally think I was a DJ. Okay. No, I was cool. not Hot a DJ. Tyler, Native Texan. Hot Tyler. Native Texan DJ booth. Is that a? Is that we got to figure out what it's called. No, it's uh, it was at Native Hostel, but Native it was Hostel. called Mesmerize. There is Mesmerized. it is. Thank you, Hot Tyler. They Thank might you. still be there, actually. Okay, fair enough. It was enough. really cool. All right. You walked through it, and then at one point, uh, they had like this what looked like a DJ booth. If you look really close, like that's not. It's not DJ. It okay. looks legit if you don't it look close so because you look so comfortable. Like all right. For the past yeah, yeah. four days, I have been coming into the gym, assuming that you're playing the music. And thinking of questions DJ related to ask you in this moment, and now all of those are off the no, table. No, the music is from our not sponsor sure. Fit Radio. There you go. Fit yeah. Radio, not sponsor. Thank you for the tunes. Thank you for the tunes, not sponsor Fit Radio. Back to 2008. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious because um, growing up, I was a little bit of an art kid. I was a theater kid. And I'm curious how that translated into your life now. If it does, um, are you still artistic? Do you paint? Like, what's, uh, what has I, happened with that part of yourself? That was, like, a part of me looking for a way to express myself mm -hmm. and feeling like I didn't, like, I, there was no one to talk to. So, like, being really young and, and being in art, um, I remember my art teacher, she loved the work that I did because I would just pour so much of myself into it. Um, I didn't keep up with any of it. I wouldn't necessarily say I was super talented in it, but it's something that I really enjoyed and had an eye for. Um, whenever I would go to cities, one of my favorite things to do is to go to a museum and, mm -hmm. and see the art. So I'm still really artistically inclined, mm -hmm. um, but it's not something that I kept up with. I do think that art and my appreciation for it in many different forms um, is a part of me now. So uh, I could say you, I could say that what I do is an art form, you know, because I would agree. Yeah, I, I was going to ask. I mean, do you now view just fitness and using your body as an art form? Well, that and also just like my ability to connect with people and to see more of them than they're necessarily projecting. I feel like I have a, a good ability to draw that out, you know, and see what they really want and what drives them and, and to maneuver people's personalities and energies. And it comes really natural to me. And so when I see another trainer struggling with that, mm -hmm. I realize that can't be taught. Yeah. And it is a certain form of art. Um, and then just even in the gay community, they're very like pride just happened. And there's yeah. a lot of yeah. like expression that happens um, just within the community um, drag is really big right now, you mm -hmm. know, because of RuPaul and that show um, all over the world. And that's like a really in the major part of expression and art. And the re I think the reason why drag is so big in the gay community is not just because it's entertaining, but because 
what you see is who they are inside. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's, it feels empowering. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you see a drag queen that you just connect with and you, it's art and yeah, it's like, yeah. that's so brave because mm-hmm. y- then you start to think, like, this person, this this energy that's inside of me, what would it look like if it, it was expressed in that way? Yeah. And, um, and that's not lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love I that. I freaking love that. Oh, man. Zeke, I love you so much. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> um, it, so did you, going back to 2008, you get a trainer, and you said you felt, you felt pretty inclined to it pretty immediately. Yeah. What were some of the, the workouts that you started with? Because, again, I scrolled. I saw that you, you roll, you do jiu-jitsu as yeah. well. Just what? That came along way later. Way later, okay. Initially... It's funny because the kind of training that I like to start people with mm-hmm. is the kind of training that I started with. Okay. A little bit of bodybuilding, a little bit of functional fitness, um, and that really provides the trainer with enough insight to see what they need, what they like, what they're going to gravitate to, what works, what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a good baseline. Okay. Uh, and that's where I started. A little gotcha. bit of bodybuilding, mm-hmm. a little bit of functional fitness. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. You come in the gym. And it's your day. You don't have any clients. Zeke gets to do his favorite workout session. What are you doing? Probably legs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> so I really enjoy shoulder day. Okay. Mm. I, have a, I have a really solid shoulder routine. I had shoulder issues about a year into uh, when I started training with a trainer. Sure. Uh, nothing, you know, tore or anything like that. Yeah. But I did have to do some, re, um, some I guess, uh, PT on my shoulder. And so I learned a lot of, like, why people would have issues with their shoulder and how to avoid them and better ways to train the shoulder. Uh, so that one's probably more enjoyable, but the one that feels like I have accomplished the most yeah. would be like a leg day. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. And what, what's, what's the movement? What's just the one that you're, that you're warming up to and in your head, you're like, I'm about to just wow everybody oh, with what I'm about to do. Probably squats or yeah, squats or nice. walking lunges. Okay. Gotcha. I've done some really, I've done some stuff with walking lunges that, if I didn't have on video, I'd be like, you didn't do that. Please, please tell us. Just, just tell us. I walking lunged 245 pounds, like, fluid. Like, I have a video, 10 down, 10 back. Hot Tyler. Hot Tyler. <laughs> Let's bring this up. I'll have to. <laughs> I'm reposting this on our page because I don't believe my you. my Instagram, I don't think. But I do have a video of it. Do We're going to find it. I'll, <laughs> I'll show you. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah, find yeah. It. I'll pull yeah, it up. Yeah. I'll pull it up. But, uh, like, just how... So, like how comfortable and solid and, and yeah. safe the movement looks. Yeah, it's crazy. That's like insane. I watch it now, yeah. and I'm like, I wouldn't do it now, but uh, I, mean, I you remember. Can see it's just being like, what? It was what? so much. <laughs> yeah, I watch it, and I'm like, what? The, what? The, and did you right? know you're gonna do that that day, or did you just? I did throw know. It on the yeah, bar. because yeah. me and uh, two of my friends had been doing leg day together every okay. Saturday, um, for for a while. Okay, and so like it had started really light, 135, yeah. and then getting mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger, and finally got up to 245, and um, it was, it was awesome. Cause that's one of those weights that you take on your back and you're like, this is heavy. This is like, heavy. Th- this is a this lot is of weight. My spine is being. Yeah. People are like, are like, did it feel light? No, no. it felt heavy. It felt like as much yeah. as it was. But it was cool because it felt, um, like all the mechanics were there. Sure. You know, I never yeah. felt like I was going to, my back was going to go out yeah. or I wasn't going to come up out of the lunge. Um, and then here at Squatch, we've had some really cool pieces of equipment brought in. Oh, yeah. And the Hatfield Squat is probably one of my favorite things. Gotcha. It's really heavy, but mm-hmm. it's really safe. Um, 
you're basically spotting yourself on yeah. the squat. And so I really like that, you yeah. know, and I, I love volume training. Yeah. So okay. So a relatively high weight for a lot of reps. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Will well, wow anybody. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's very yeah. true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, and what, <laughs> what kind of training were you doing before you really just started building your own clientele and working with people based on really what they need as when you watch them and things like that? You mean right as I was coming into like the yeah, fitness like industry? Yeah, like right as you were coming into the fitness industry. My background was, or my strengths were uh, bodybuilding, functional fitness. I did a lot of kettlebells, uh, mobility, that kind of thing. Um, I wanted people to feel fit Yeah. because I felt really fit at yeah. the time. You know, I still do, but back then it was, I did a lot more conditioning. Gotcha. Sure. Um, so I just felt like a furnace. Just all the time. Burning calories. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are, I'm curious about this from your perspective, what are some fitness trends or terms that like drive you insane that you, that you're just like, oh, do we have to do this again? Well, it, I wouldn't say it's like a fitness trend, but, um, I feel like there's two things. Mm-hmm. One is the glorification of false bodies in, yeah. in, Ooh, yeah. in Hollywood and media. Yeah. Um, people talk about like because I get these clients I get come people come I want a, a body like sure. Cardi B or right. like you know uh, who I love uh, <laughs> Cardi B if you're listening like, you know Kim Kardashian and or you're these, like well I have a referral to a surgeon yeah I think there's a like a missed responsibility there one of my favorite people in the world is Dolly Parton and I love that oh. she is just so honest with she talks Everything. about it. Yeah, if yeah. she can nip it, tuck it, she's going <laughs> to yeah, do it, right? But you it, need yeah. to say it. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget ever. Oh, this is a memory I'll never forget. Uh, my second niece, Danielle, uh, I was at my mom's house, and I come walking around the corner, and she's looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And she's a little girl. She was yeah. probably like seven or eight, if not younger. And she's looking in the mirror. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was like, I hate my thighs. And I was like, what? Why? She was like, they look like seals. And I was, like, horrified. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what? Where did you hear that? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? She was a little girl. And um, I don't remember if I was in fitness yet or not. Probably not, because she was really, really young. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she'll remember that. Maybe she does. But just what it does to what people's expectations of their own bodies are. Yeah. You know? I can absolutely attest to that. I had my own, like, thing with that and just, like, false expectations and doing, you know, dangerous things. It It's a, you know, it's a hard hole to crawl out of. It's And that trend um, of being more curvy, people think, is better than being, like, bone thin, mm-hmm. you know, um, the old Calvin Klein, like, super thin models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think it's just as unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I think it's just as unhealthy to glorify these like ultra curvy bodies that aren't natural. Yeah, exactly. so I like to talk about that. Yeah. Do you Um, feel like that goes the same way with like guys looking at like Chris Hemsworth and being like, that's what I want? Yes. So I think there's certain people who have like really great genetics, obviously. And when they enhance them. We'll see. That's <laughs> hot Tyler over here. Tyler <laughs> is an example of somebody who's like taking advantage of, of his own genetics right. in a healthy way. Um, but yeah, on the flip side of that is what I was going to say was, uh, especially with me, even women, but like sure. men, any either one that t- either gender that take uh, steroids or any kind of performance enhancers, um, 
should be honest about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's, it's, especially if you have a platform, you have, right. then you have a built in responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't be allowed to take the platform without the responsibility. Yeah. Like yes. you gotta get both. <laughs> you get, With yeah. great power comes great responsibility. I have Spider-Man friends, guys, Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. I have friends that were, will join CrossFit for example. Yeah. And you know, they're working out with guys and no one talks about it. They all know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's only, so then it becomes a matter of time. Like, yeah. how long are you going to do this before you do it as well? And now you can look like this. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's, for me, it's never been so serious to get mm-hmm. surgery to look a certain way or to take steroids or something to, to look another way. Right. Um, it's never been that serious. Like, yeah, yeah I want to look and feel good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to do something like that is too extreme. I'm not wired that way. I right. don't condone it. Yeah. And I'd rather approach it head on mm-hmm. and just let people know like that's not we're me. not that's not we're the not kind of trainer that. that I am yeah and um that there's better ways yeah. to to live your life and, and how many even just in your clients and your experience is it across the board almost every client you get male or female comes in with sort of a I want to look like this well, person and then you sort of have to unpack that it's good so when I first got a trainer he said, um, I want you to tell me a celebrity or athlete that you want to look like. And I told him I wanted to look like George St. Pierre, MMA fighter. You die. Yeah, hey, man. <laughs> That's, that was my – and so I didn't realize at the time, but what he was doing was seeing where my, my head was. Yeah. Right? Like what, was, what were my expectations for myself? Mm-hmm. Um, so he told me, if you want to look like him, you'll have to train like him. Yeah. <laughs> and – but it helps me when, some, when I – to see a body type that somebody can is actually visualizing for themselves. Um, and if they've never thought of it, then I have them do a little homework and they'll send mm-hmm. me a lot of times people don't pick body types that are very far fetched from them. Yeah. You know, if it's mm-hmm. a taller girl, she picks a taller girl. If it's a shorter girl, she picks a shorter girl. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it, it helps. It helps because then, and then if they are open about their fitness, then I can go look and yeah. see what, yeah. what do they do. You yeah. Know? Okay, yeah. You know, so it gives them a little bit more insight. Yeah. yeah. And sort of a similar question, starting to have some fun with the fitness stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did an episode, I actually think it'll air in a week or two, where mm-hmm. we go through our 10 favorite gym guys. Just yeah. Gym guys? Gym guys. Just guys you see in the gym. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the bro shaking the bottle, just doing chesticles. The, yeah, that's a guy. The yeah, old yeah. guy who always shows up at 4 a.m., gets his workout in, gets <laughs> out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, my favorite one we did was the out-of-place martial artist guy. He's always okay. smaller, always bouncier, always looking at everything, but has no idea what he's doing. But he's also the most athletic person there. Giving you an idea. Yeah, yeah. Who is your favorite gym guy? Or I girl. Think, <laughs> or girl. For me, the people that always stick out and jump on my radar are the consistent people. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. People who are consistent. I'm not really wowed by, you know, people who come in and just start crushing these workouts. Mm-hmm. For me, it's consistency. It's that... And I like to see a little bit of evolution. Um, people who are not afraid to just put in the work, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That, those are the people that always jump on my radar. I also have like an affinity for uh, good form. Like, it's when true. I, sure, <laughs> trainer, good form. You know, it's funny. Like, uh, I have what I call um, I'm gym blind. 
So like okay. when my friends work out with me, they're like, these guys are so hot or like these girls sure, are sure. so hot. And I'm like, that doesn't catch my eye anymore because I'm surrounded by people who are fit. Yeah. So what'll catch my eye is like, did you see that guy's hinge? <laughs> like, oh my God. That was such a clean hinge. Or did you see that front squat? Woo. woo. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. Those so knees good. are tracking right over those toes. Good, <laughs> good form. Mm. Yeah. Those are my favorite people. Neutral spine. So how do you feel when you see bad form? Well, I'm less, I have a less of a, like, kind of trigger reaction than Mm -hmm. I did when I first started. When I first started in training, I was working at Gold's, and I felt like it was my responsibility to go talk to them and Mm -hmm. make them be better, Um, which I only do if I feel like they're going to injure themselves. Yeah, or hurt somebody else, Or hurt somebody else, right, or if they're distracting somebody, right? Yeah. yeah, but no, I cringe. <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> Just, it kills uh, me. Yeah, because if everybody's form can evolve mm-hmm. away from the proper form. Sure. You know, I'll never forget when I was doing a, I don't remember if it was a deadlift or a bent over row, but uh, I was working with this girl and she saw me and she was like, hey, I have some t- point tips. And I was like, okay, cool. I've never <laughs> been a full glass of water. Like I've yeah. always wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. learn. And... I was like, whoa, wait a minute. The tips she gave me, I already knew. And I used to do them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when it stopped. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, but everybody needs that little like kind of redirection. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you have a story about your certification that we heard the other day. If you don't mind telling it on air, it's it's maybe my favorite uh, fitness story I've ever heard, and it involves the great American pastime of speed walking. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, So I was recommended to do the Cooper Institute personal training certification Mm -hmm. by my mentor here in Austin, Cody Butler. Shout out. Oh, nice. Um, And he wanted me to go there. So, or he wanted me to get the certification through there. When I went to buy the certification, I saw that they had an online course. Uh, no, I'm sorry, an in-person course. And it okay. was a week long, and it, would ap- it happened to be uh, during spring break. My birthday was going to be that week. Uh, I paid for it. I went up to uh, Dallas, stayed with one of my friends, and from 8 to 5 every day we would, do, we would meet with um, professors and different like fitness experts about different things. And one day... They said, hey, we're going to go outside. There, it was on, So the Cooper Institute is on a campus, mm-hmm. and there's, like, the institute, there's housing, there's um, fields, and there's a walk path. So we go outside, and they're like, we're going to do a, a mile walk, and you're going to walk as fast as you can. And I was like, okay, you know, how hard could this be? I mean, you were like, you've seen me, right? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to walk. Like, what an old lady thing. I've been about. walking my whole life. Yeah, so there was a bunch of us. There was probably like about 20, 20 to 30 people doing the, doing the class. And so they say go. And then they start timing us and we start walking and I'm walking really fast, keeping up, kind of chatting with people. And I start to realize like that the front part of my shin starts to hurt, the muscle there that lifts your foot when you walk. And everyone starts to like pull away from me. Everyone. Like people who were not in as good shape you know, visibly anyways. Um, and so, but the path kind of wound by its, like, it wasn't like a square. Yeah. So like, it was like this, like almost like an infinity trail. Like it would, wa- you, so I'm walking this way and I'm walking past somebody and they're like, you're going to have to swivel your hips. <laughs> somebody shouts at me and I'm like, what? And I look and I'm like, how did I miss that? 
everyone's walking like these sashay, Olympic speed walkers. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not. I'm in broad daylight. There's no way. <laughs> I'm gay, but I'm not that gay. <laughs> I know. I just can't do it. And maybe that's why, right? I was like, oh, they're going to. Like they're almost expecting this. Yeah, like he's going to be really good at it. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I started like swiveling my hips and walking, and I was like it. So then the pain started to go away. Yeah. And I started to catch up to people. I started to pass people, and it got. And then and then this like I'm not a competitive person. Yeah. But the fact that I had this comeback, <laughs> I, I I passed the the I finally finished, and it was hard. I was sweating. Yeah. It, it was March. It was a yeah. really pretty day up in yeah. Dallas. So like it wasn't hot. And I was sweating, hearts pumping, and I'm like, I just can't, I can't believe I speed walked in public. (laughs) (laughs) And we finished, and I remember thinking, the only thing I could think of while they were talking to us and kind of debriefing us was, I want to do it again and swivel my hips the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) The whole way. The whole way. Because this time is not right. Yeah, it was only half go again. Yeah, it was such a funny experience. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I remember the girls coming up to me later, and they were like, you were really good. I was like, like, thanks. And you were like, wrong tree, but thank you. (laughs) I think they did. Bless their hearts. And was it you said something, or they said something like that that you were uh, Zeke zagging or something? Oh, <laughs> who said that? I think you said, you said that. I didn't say that. You did I? No. Did someone say that to you? I think somebody said somebody that. Somebody said that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were that was <laughs> funny. Zigzagging. Zigzagging. That is hilarious. <laughs> Lots of deep, deep conversations in the sauna. In the sauna. Yeah, sauna talk. Sauna talk. Uh, sauna talk. talk. The best. We need oh, to have man. a sub podcast just sure. called like Sweaty <laughs> Balls or something. And it's just where we. I feel like that one's trademarked. Probably. You're right. It'll just be Sauna Talks. Um, last couple of questions for you. I know that you're yeah, hitting yeah. up your favorite sushi restaurants. Oh, do, you want, do you want to do like a rapid fire? Uh, if you want to do a rapid yeah. fire, I know you what, got, I, I got a few. Okay, go okay. for it. If we were going to make a movie about your life, who would play you? Vin Diesel. Wow. Good I call. I just saw it. Okay. Yeah. Is that, like, is that like overshooting? <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's perfect. I'm going to say it. I think that's undershooting. I have this really but... kind of creepy story. So... Uh, I used to work at Gold's, and I would give tours a lot yeah. of times, mm-hmm. and I like doing that. I like showing people. Like yeah. I'm really proud of the space, yes. and I'm giving this guy a tour, and so, you know, so I used to be a manager at Victoria's Secret when mm-hmm. I was in college. Zeke, for th- for you and three me years. both, buddy, and <laughs> we would always laugh about how, when a girl has large breasts, it's hard to not look down. Yeah, and men or women. Mm-hmm. Well, when I would give tours at uh, Gold's Gym, guys would often, I would catch them glancing at my arms all the time. Like, uh, and I would jokingly be like, I would tell my friends, like, in situations like yeah. this, like, hey, eyes up here. <laughs> um, and so the, I'm giving a tour to this guy, and um, he's like, I keep seeing him staring at my arms, and I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's getting to the point where, okay, are you, are you going to hit on me? Like, I can't tell. And so at the very end of the tour, I'm like, so did you have any questions? And he's like, yeah, where'd you get those arms? Aww. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, um, got them from my dad. Nice. And he's like, who's your dad, Vin Diesel? And I was like, I can't continue this joke. Like, <laughs> we're done. We're, we're done. done. We're done. It's over. I'm going to pass yeah. you over to the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> and my, one off. of my best friends, Steven, is sitting on the computer and he, I, I'll never, I look at him and he's like, he's typing and he's like, what in the world? And he leaves <laughs> and I was like. Hey, he said Vin Diesel. He's like, oh, <laughs> don't get a big head about yourself. 
I love that. And I, I can't it. wait for that movie to come out. Oh, dude, yeah. What is the most awkward way you've ever been hit on? That? <laughs> At Victoria's Secret. At Victoria's Secret? Really? Oh. Yeah. So, uh, there were... <laughs> There's a, several stories that ha- that happened at Victoria's Secret. You know, there was this one girl who came in. Um, she was with a friend. They both had, uh, they both had little babies, like mm-hmm. strollers. I remember. And I would wear slacks and like a black polo. And this girl comes in and she's just eyeballing me. And I'm like, I'm the manager on duty. And um, it was in a rougher part of San Antonio. It was like not rough, but like it was at Ingram Mall in San Antonio. Oh um, yeah, we know. Yeah, spot. we know Ingram. So. Yeah. The girl's like comes up to me and she's like you know lifting panties off the table, <laughs> and she looks at me and she's like, "I thought you had to be gay to work here," <laughs> and I just didn't know what to say, right? Like I knew what she, I knew she wanted to know, yeah, because I didn't really said anything to her, mm-hmm. and then I don't remember what I said, but I just was like, "Oh God, oh no," and then I'm go at the cash register checking people out, and there was these like towers that were right where you checked out, so like you could buy little trinkets. Um, they were like, you know, 10 bucks mm-hmm. each. And the girl's friend is like, there's a little box with a little perfume in it. And she's like, why would you buy this? Like, what would you even put in here? And the girl, like, I'm checking someone else out. And I look up and she makes eye contact with me. And she's like, condoms and lube. To her friend, making eye contact <laughs> making with me. Eye contact with I was like, you guys, I'm going to be in the back. Like, uh, I can't. I, go I know where this really is going. Quick. Jennifer, I'm, can you come finish this one? Women, like they'd constantly be like, "Do you think this would look good on me?" Oh like little gosh. lingerie pieces. And I'm like, "It probably look great. I want to yeah. make a sale." So <laughs> you know what? I think you should, that one, that one, and that one. Yeah. Yes. At yeah, Victoria's yeah. Secret was when I got hit on the most wow. awkwardly. Wow. You know, wow. Yeah. Very nice. That's, I mean, when you look like you do, I just assume there's a few stories. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll just follow up with your family. Do you have a boyfriend? I do not. Gotcha. Not at the moment. Guys, Zeke is single. Yeah, definitely. He's out there. I I think I'm a family guy, you know? I I know my mom wonders, like, if I'm going to produce, like, grandkids. And, Mm. yeah, with with the whole being gay thing, a lot of the way that I've lived my life is just on the assumption, right? I assume I'm going to get married and Mm. have kids, and, like, I look forward to that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, on the market. Hey, he's on the market <laughs> to all of our hundreds of listeners. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no one at the moment, um, but yeah, it's something that I look forward to. Excellent, I love it. If you could be a character in any book, what character would you be? Gandalf on the Lord of the Rings. The gray or the white? Ooh, I don't. That's good. Probably the gray. Ooh, I think he, yeah. yeah. I liked Gandalf the gray. He. You know, he was around a lot longer. He was, yeah. you know. And less of an asshole. It's one of my favorite right. characters in a movie or book. Yeah. Yeah. Gandalf. So, do you identify with that archetype? Well, I identify with, like, the ultimate good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, the Obi-Wan Kenobis. Sure. You know, Gandalf kind of, you know, had his secrets. and Sure, sure. But, but you're still the, the knowledge bringer. I do love, you know... That, that person that will do anything for the greater good and, mm. and for good. So, and you I are def- that person. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that great? Yeah. What does it mean to you to be Texan? What does it mean to me awesome. to be Texan? Uh, being kind. Yeah, being kind, uh, but being really tough at the same time. And I, I have a client who's going to laugh at that. Um, <laughs> but what I mean is that, like, there's a lot of things thrown at us in life, 
and this last year was an example of that. Uh, but being able to um, maneuver those without bending or breaking um, is important. And I just think that there's this toughness and kindness that it means to be Texan. Yeah. That's such a good answer. That's such a good answer. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of basking in it. I'm just bathing in that one, especially because it's the first time we've gotten to ask somebody else. Right? <laughs> I'm so excited to ask more people. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait for Zeke Round 2. Zeke Round 2 is going to be awesome, but Zeke Round 1 has been great. And then final question, then we'll also give you a chance to let people know where they can follow you. Mm-hmm. If they want to maybe look at you, look into you as a fitness trainer, definitely want to give you that that moment. Cool. Have you seen Lance Armstrong running around at I any have. point? We heard yeah. we heard that you might have yeah, spotted you, him. It was before we turned on the mice, and we were talking. He's like, guys, I, and you're like, I have a story. I saw Lance Armstrong. So would you mind telling us where you saw him? What what happened? It was really weird, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I was um, I haven't been drinking very much over the last few months. Yeah. And I was at a local ATB, and I just kind of was walking through, but it was really busy, so yeah. I had to go through the alcohol. Aisle. Okay. And he was there buying, like reaching. I, it looked like he was struggling to reach a really high box of wine. Okay. Um, so, like, I kind of helped him grab it. Yeah. Handed it to him, realized who it was. It didn't know he was drinking boxed wine. Yeah. But, um, there you go. I walked away. Did I knew who it was. I didn't say anything. You know, yeah. I was like, I wasn't sure if he's still training yeah. or trying to be super healthy or not. <laughs> did you catch him looking at your arms? I did. Were yeah. you like, oh, definitely. Eyes up here. In fact, he might have not been struggling and then saw me and was like pretending to struggle, you know, so that I would help him. <laughs> so. Lance Sightings 2021. Lance Sightings 2021. Guys, remember to send in your Lance Sightings. That's uh, that's a DM us at textish underscore pod for all Lance Sightings. If you see him at HEB, if you see him looking at your arms, he probably won't look at your arms because he's seen Zeke's now. He's seen the light. He's not <laughs> no, going to go back. Don't bother looking anywhere else. <laughs> And uh, Zeke, lastly, where can people follow you if they want to look into you as a trainer? How can they go about that process? My Instagram is at physique, P-H-Y-Z-E-I-K, which is the way I spell Zeke. Um, Otherwise, they could always come by Squatch. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty full on clients. Mm -hmm. I'll always try to accommodate or put them with, you know, the best trainer that I think that would be a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, not just here at Squatch, but I know a lot of people around mm-hmm. town and a lot of great trainers who I would trust any of my clients with. Um, but we also launched some classes that people can come check out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 a.m. I'll be coaching in the Wolfston and nice. Saturday at 10 a.m. So the Saturday, 10 a.m. and the Wednesday, 6 a.m. are kind of my bread and butter classes. We call them Peach Camp. Nice. Oh, I may have days. to attend <laughs> their tough. peach camp. They're and, fun. Uh, what do we mean by peach, if you don't mind me asking? The peach, so, okay, the peach emoji. So, yeah. <laughs> years ago, I would work out every Saturday, I would do legs. And then my roommate started joining me. And then we had another friend join me, and it was us three. And people were like, you guys have killer leg workouts. And it was every Saturday, and people knew, right? We were yeah. kind of loud about it on social media. <laughs> um, so, for one year, so then I was... On Instagram, I saw this shirt and it said it had a big peach emoji and it said Peach Boys. Yeah. So I bought us all the shirt <laughs> and we started wearing them and people called us the Peach Boys. And people thought that I had that shirt made, but it was really just it a was shirt. Just some, yeah. yeah, it was a shirt I found on, on, <laughs> on uh, somewhere online. 
just a testament fast to the forward power of the a little, yeah. yeah, fast forward a little bit, but it really stuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had really fun, like, crazy leg workouts. Uh, fast forward, after I stopped working at Gold's, I started working at this studio over on 6th Street. And I told them, you know, I have this idea for a class, um, Peach Boys. And they were, so I said it, and then I left for lunch, and, like, I felt so stupid because no one said anything. <laughs> and I was like, eh, well, there's my sh- right. foray into, you know, Better start coming up for with a new an job. idea. Yep. So I come back, and they're like, hey, we really like that idea. It really goes good with you, but maybe we could call it something else. And so I was like, they were like, you know, something a little bit more inclusive. Even though the most... Most women would tell me, like, I want to be a peach boy. Uh, no guys were like, I want to be a peach boy. Yeah. <laughs> Although they probably were. Yeah, uh, seriously. Uh, we, ended, we settled on peach camp. Peach and camp. Okay. Uh, peach camp was, I mean, people knew right away, like, what that meant. Yeah. You know, when I, I was in New York on for World Pride back in 2019 with my roommate, and we had peach camp shirts. And even in New York, people knew. Mm-hmm. That's a fitness class. That's yeah. a butt class. And then they looked at you and were like, can we do it in the park? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can we do one right now? Yes. Um, so that's, it's been a, it's been a really fun class to teach. Uh, and as a trainer, so not only is it really fun for the class uh, and the members, but as a trainer, the leg movements are really fundamental, Yeah. you know? And so being able to, to, to keep those leg movements relevant and um, watch people progress has been Real, it's everywhere I go. It, even at Squatch, we've been, we've been having the classes for a couple of months, uh, watching people get stronger yeah. and watching that form that I'm so attracted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sexy, is, sexy it form. Is. I, I, was, I saw everybody like doing deadlifts one day, and I was like, I wanted to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I did that. It was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was features. really, really cool. But uh, I think those leg, leg movements are the most important. Okay. Awesome. You know, you, they translate to almost everything, everything that you do in, in the gym. So That's awesome. Well, follow Mitt Physique. Come check Peach out Camp. Squatch. Hit up Peach Camp. If he doesn't have time to train you, he'll hook you up with the second best because he is the, the best. best. Aww, you Zeke, guys. thank you so much for your time Thank today. you all. We this was so you. fun. This was so fun. Look forward to doing it again. And look forward oh, to will. listening to all of these. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, man, thank you for being our first guest. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't have asked for a better experience. Oh, thank you, guys. Um, and y'all... That's Texas. That's Texas. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.